Welcome to the World Changers in Tech podcast, where we bring you the most exciting, passionate, impact-driven tech entrepreneurs and actors changing the world one tech at a time. Our episodes foster the sustainable development goals to inspire, build, and grow a sustainable future. So get to know your SDGs and World Changers in Tech. My name is Anna Yukiko Bickenbach, and let's get on to today's episode. Dear World Changers and Tech listeners, today we find ourselves living in changing times, Corona times, one that has created challenges and many adjustments, but mostly as we would like to see them here at German Tech, we see it as a time to innovate and create chances from opportunities. Our physical events, meetups and open lectures had to be canceled, but instead of them being lost, we decided that we would rather digitize them for you so you can also be a part of it. We wanted to include you, our community, in all aspects. So we've adapted our approach to edit down our live digital events so you can hear them as well. We hope you get the most out of it, enjoy it, stay healthy and stay tuned. And we're looking forward to many more episodes with you guys. So Hannes, welcome to our live podcast. Welcome, yeah, thank you. Let's start off with uh, you telling us, you know, who, who you are and uh, what you've done in the past. All right. Um, yeah, I'm sort of an accidental entrepreneur, if you will. Um, I studied international relations, liberal arts and public policy. So broadly speaking, uh, social science, humanities, uh, lots of my friends either went into academia or, you know, um, yeah, worked in the public sector, international organizations. That's kind of the path that I was on. And then it was during my time at the European College of Liberal Arts that I discovered I, yeah, I had a strong interest in education. It was actually kind of, yeah, accidental as well that I, I kept reading stuff about education universities at the time. The Excellence Initiative of, for German universities was in the making. And uh, I kind of caught myself, you know, spending a lot of time on this uh, while it wasn't really it wasn't any assigned reading or any or anything like that and then i said okay clearly this is something that that i feel drawn towards and um yeah and i uh, i wanted to have an impact in that space and it was um it was actually that that kind of tugged me towards entrepreneurship because i felt um yeah working in a public sector university or or uh, a ministry um it would be difficult to um really make a, a significant change and i felt that you know the significant change was needed because uh, of digitalization there's there's lots of there are lots of opportunities of course in education um we're using digital technology but the existing institutions weren't really taking advantage of it and then uh, um, i decided okay uh, i'll um what way what is like how could i you know what would be a lever if you will to to uh, um, change to you know create change that scales and then i i you know arrived at technology and, and thought okay you know education technology would be uh, a way to have that kind of impact and um, and then it was only a small step to feel see okay you know you probably uh, it's probably a startup company it's probably venture capital funding that would enable uh, me to yeah build something that uh, that uh, has an impact at scale in education, and then that's how I ended up becoming an entrepreneur, if you will. Uh, there, so obviously, you became the entrepreneur in the best way is that your passion and your pure interest was something uh, that motivated you to really look at the space 
and be able to see where you could create the most change. Um, what was the, do you still remember the time when you thought about digitalization? Like when you realized that that would be the key part? And yeah, 2000, 2006, um, when, while I was at the European Cultural Liberal Arts, I, um, I mean, you know, Schriefverzeichnis was happening. Facebook was just coming to Germany in like late 2006, early 2007. Um, and... I decided I wanted to do an internship um, and, and ended up doing an internship in, in Silicon Valley in 2007. Actually, I was at Facebook headquarters when the company only had, you know, 300 employees or so and Mark Zuckerberg kind of rolled around for, for pizza uh, with people at an evening event. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he was still like a really young founder at the time. So yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was cool to see. And, and I mean, that was, of course, uh, Silicon Valley being the epicenter of it all. Um, yeah, kind of got a sense of, of what was to come. And so, do you want to talk about what you founded then? Yeah, of course. Uh, I can quickly uh, briefly talk about it. So, the company was called Diversity. We, in the end, uh, it's, it's part of Springer Nature now. Um, exited uh, 2017. I did that for six and a half years. Went through lots of ups and downs. And I mean, I talked about that in a different uh, presentation that I gave. Learned a ton uh, about building a company and, and uh, the do's and don'ts of entrepreneurship. And it's actually because of all of that that I'd gone through, um, also raising venture funding and, and building a team and so on, that David, the, my current co-founder, who is the original founder of uh, um, Hello Better, Get On, uh, he approached me um, in 2017 when I was actually, or 2018, yeah, when I was taking a break after uh, selling the company, he's like, well, you know, um, I have this, I have this small university spin-off company, you know, we're doing reasonably well. Um, but you know, we don't have our own technology yet. We don't have any external funding. I think, you know, we could reach a lot more people if we scaled this, uh, into something bigger. Um, but I don't really have the time and, and I, uh, to do it. And I also don't really know how to, Maybe you could take a look and see whether you know this is something that makes sense and whether you feel it's it's a um, it's a viable case, if you will. And so I looked into it and quickly realized, yeah, that there's definitely something here. It's a, I mean, from a VC perspective, right? As it's yeah. a big market, it's technology driven, it's um, it's scalable, it's. Uh, um, uh, there, you know, there's there's an urgent need also uh, because you know, of course, everyone knows that there, there's sort of a problem when it comes to access to mental health care. So and maybe, maybe from, that's, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, maybe that's a transition point where we can now focus on uh, Hello Better and what you guys are doing. Because when you just uh, mentioned all the ups and downs that you went through as an entrepreneur, I'd really love for us to actually do the open lecture we have planned with you in, you know, next month and where we can come back and also do an update on um, the new things you guys are doing with Hello Better and connecting yeah. to uh, Corona. So why don't you, I just wanted to uh, interfere in there and just let everyone know that better, you know, Hello Better is what we're here to talk about today with yeah. the focus on um, uh, the current scenario with of course. Corona yeah, yeah, no. and, and uh, mental health. Yeah, yeah, no, I just wanted to, to sort of uh, explain how, how I ended up doing this because people right. might wonder, you know, like, well, you know, so you're, you've been in education, what does that have to do with health? And the thing is that mental health, which is the focus of what we do at Hello Better, 
is in the end about education. I mean, what we do, we build an education product, our, our, our trainings are in a way online courses that help people deal with their mental health condition and, and help people change their lives. And, um, and that was what excited me that there was, from a product perspective, there were a lot of parallels to what I was doing before in terms of you know, building an, an engaging product that you know has good retention and and gets people to a certain learning outcome. There are lots of parallels, also in terms of you know it being a tech platform plus content plus a service component, i.e., a human encouraging mm -hmm. people uh, to to actually do the homework and do the uh, you know put in the hours. Um, you know, that's something that you see throughout uh, these kind of. Uh, offerings that you know that human element makes a huge difference for people and yeah it was uh, because because there's a there's a good fit between what hell better needed and the experience that i had as well as the fact that you know on the product level um this was very close to home in a way for me that mm -hmm. that we quickly clicked and said okay let's do this together so we started out uh, um, working together over a year ago and uh, now um I'll fast forward over the last year, which was really interesting in it by itself from an entrepreneurship perspective, you know, getting to where we are right now. But um, the, the, the long and short of it is we, you know, uh, build a team, we're now 35 people, and we're kind of on track to, you know, scale the existing digital mental health solution that had been developed in previous years, uh, you know, all over Germany and make it available to patients uh, um, that, uh, you know, have public health insurance Germany-wide. That was kind of our objective for the year. And then this happened. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just wanted to clarify, just so everyone knows, when you talk about bringing yeah. in your experience in terms of education and, and the technical abilities around it and hell better being able to educate people, um, just to make sure we're not talking about educating people to become psychologists. We're talking about yeah. the end client being, as you just said, um, patients or people in need of support? So, yes. So what we do is, uh, as I said, we call it uh, mental health trainings. They're essentially online courses. And we treat people across a range of conditions from depression to anxiety to stress to sleep disorders, alcohol abuse, um, a whole range of different topics. Uh, we have 11 different trainings. And all of, and that's really unique, all of these trainings have been validated in at least one randomized control trial. So mm -hmm. everything that we offer, there's research evidence that it works. So it's not just that we say, hey, we had this great idea, you know, let's put it out there, see whether it sticks. But no, this has been developed in a university setting. You know, years of research having gone into this. David, my co-founder, he's been doing research in this space for 12 years. He has 170 published peer-reviewed articles, 6,400 citations. So he's really an expert in the space. He's also the president of the, um, the uh, global research organization in this space called ISRI. And um, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he built this stuff and... Now, yeah, we, we're going to take it to market and, uh, and try to, you know, make it available to more and more patients because so far, you know, what was the problem is that they, you know, they developed all of this, they found it really effective, but it, it wasn't available to patients yet. And, and that's what, we're, what we set out to change. Now, given uh, the situation that we're in right now with Corona, a lot of people turned towards and said, look, people are isolated you know, locked in their houses. It's kind of a doomsday scenario in certain ways. Lots of people, you know, are 
having uh, worrying about you know parents grandparents or their own lives uh, some might even have to deal with you know people being in hospital or people dying so people saying okay is there something i mean we clearly we will confront a major besides the public health crisis in terms of being on lockdown lives, changing yeah yeah we will face a massive public uh, health crisis in terms of uh, um, mental health in a f in a few weeks from now because oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah i mean there's there's massive fallout from this that people are not allowed to do many of the things that you know, really help them stabilize them in, in, in their everyday lives. So, uh, you know, also few people fearing for their jobs. And uh, I mean, there, there, there are a whole range of problems uh, that people are confronted with now. And as I said, people turned to us and said, like, you know, given, I mean, you, given you're an expert on, you know, stress and depression and so on, isn't there something you can do? And then we sat together and thought about, okay, what is it that we could do um, to help here? And we came up with, um, a sort of a portfolio of different um, different offerings. So the first thing that started this morning at 9 a.m. is a free helpline that people can call for psychological support to um, you know uh, ask urgent questions and also you know learn more about what their options for treatment are um, right now and uh, in the coming weeks as this you know becomes more and more severe. So that's uh, Can you that's tell us the, the link number? to that or the yeah. where people would find it and maybe we can yeah. even... Sure, the number is uh, zero eight five times zero, so zero eight hundred and then zero uh -huh. zero zero nine five five four. What's easier probably is to just go to hellobetter.de yeah. slash corona, corona Krise in German, K-R-I-S-E and there's a blog post that has all of what I'm going to uh, thank you, Stefan. Yeah, Stefan Jung just also put the number in. Thank you guys very much. I also want to get um, our attendees involved at this point. So anyone, like I said, there's a Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. If you want to write something down, um, feel free to do that because I do, at this point, I'm very curious, uh, many people that are probably attending here um, are undergoing similar situations or issues or want to know, you know, how others might be feeling and how they can uh, continue on in the next weeks and the very confined yeah, atmosphere that we're, we're in. So if anyone wants to ask questions on that, feel free to do that. Um, and how was it for you in general? Like not only from uh, the, the Hello Better perspective, but how do you, how do you personally um, empathize with what's going on? Yeah, I mean, what, what I'm, 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 uh, I mean, I'm worried about my parents. Um, my dad is, is 70 years old. He's had a heart attack. He's been a smoker for 40 years. You know, like, he's really part of the risk group. And, and I think if he were to catch it, it could be very grim. So, so that's uh, one thing I'm thinking about. Luckily, I mean, they live in the countryside. They have a big house, so they have a nice garden. They could like he could lock himself up there for two months um, and you know just be gardening and be sort of okay with it. Um, of course, that won't be as easy for a lot of people. And I think if you're if you're confined to a small apartment um, for a long time, that could be really challenging. 
other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm also worried about the economic fallout of this because I think that there we are in very uncharted territory. Uh, the, the, and, and then, you know, that has, of course, repercussions. I mean, it's not whether or not, you know, you, you know we can do without a month's salary maybe, but uh, uh, if, you know, if we see mass unemployment, um, we could also see very significant political um, repercussions for, you know, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, that and that could then again be uh, also if there was even more of a shift towards populism that could be challenging to democracy uh, as such. So I, I think, yeah, it's very substantial um, shifts that that we're looking at. And that's... Yeah, so far it's not frightening, but I think there's, it could very well get very quick, very frightening very quickly. Very quickly. And uh, from what I've heard also from other people, I mean, uh, especially if you live in a big city like Berlin, people are used to, you know, just going out and seeing people going to a bar, being sociable. And a lot of people, um, I think at the beginning of all this, it was very like, haha and humorous and we can all kind of get through it. And what I've personally also realized, it's been like day four now. And if you have children, for example, right, and you have to like take care of the kids, but you have to work. And then it's like, you don't know if you can work in order to then pay the rent. I also feel um, that it's gonna be very important for everyone to uh, take care of their mental health first, rather than maybe just only their health. Is there anything that your team has been able to identify uh, that is helpful for, for people to to start doing or engage in? Of course, and that's, I mean, that's what we're communicating also uh, in the context um, of, well, I, I mean, actually I was gonna say like, what is it that we're doing? So one is the hotline that I mentioned. The second is we're gonna do a Facebook live Q&A session um, on Monday. And then um, of course we have our existing courses on stress and depression and so on but one one problem that there, with those courses is that if you were to do them now i mean you can skip those parts but it, they typically recommend you to do things that you're not supposed to do now you know like reach out to other people and you know go out and be social and so on and all of that's not allowed so what we're doing now is we're reworking our stress training so as to fit the current situation and make it really a training for the all of the specific problems that we're facing with quarantine, with Corona, so the, you know, economic uncertainty, um, being confined to a small space, uh, not being able to, you know, uh, follow your routine, uh, limited social contacts, um, and then maybe also, you know, you worry for your own health. So all of these things will be specifically addressed as stress factors. And then, but then what, uh, and what we do in these trainings is that we really try to recommend very concrete strategies that help you address these. And, you know, a lot of it sounds like common sense and it is, mm -hmm. but it's important to, you know, just be aware of it and, 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 and kind of um, also remind yourself uh, to do this, to do the things that that are important. So the first of all is that you actually consciously choose to devote time to the issue, and and really uh, you're aware that um, your mental health needs taken care of, much yeah. like your physical health needs the isolation. Um, 
you should, you know, be conscious of how you consume news. So it's important, you know, to stay abreast of what's happening. But if you're like obsessively checking every bit of news there is and, uh, uh, you know, like fixating on the negative parts of it, um, that can spiral out of control where, you know, then that affects your sleep. And, uh, you know, as you, um, you know, you sleep less, you become more jittery and you become even more anxious and, and then you can sort of get into a negative spiral. Um, also, you know, staying uh, like retaining a certain structure and routine, you know, getting up in the morning, taking a shower, uh, um, you know, putting on real clothes and <laughs> not look like a hobo. Uh, that could help you to so stay uh, like feel like normal. Um, take time to take some time off. Uh, like particularly, I feel that you know being in conference calls all day, all the time. Like I, I get a headache. So sometimes you know just go out, go on the balcony, take a deep breath. You know, take a moment. Um, stay in touch with other people. I think actually the term social distancing is a bit of a misnomer and a bit of a problem. It should be called physical distancing because while we you know should keep a distance physically, we should not you know, isolate ourselves and, and particularly the people that live by themselves be, you know, like re retreat into uh, themselves. And I think they're particularly people that are at risk for depression. This yeah. is, this is a very difficult time for them where many of them could see uh, an onset of a, of a depressive episode because, you know, um, this whole situation encourages you to do all of the things that we would, under normal circumstances, tell you not to do if you're at risk of depression. Right. Um, I mean, and the word social distancing, it seems like they didn't, uh, they didn't consider the fact that, you know, the, there's a digital world that exists, so you could still be social, but it is the physical that we're trying to render down. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Right? I mean, you can still call an old friend that you haven't spoken to in a long time or, you know, like right. uh, call your family, good friends. And, uh, I mean, I think, you know, given the popularity of social networks, most people are kind of, you know, tuned in and, and, and connected in some way, but, um, um, yeah, that's, uh, uh, it's something to keep in mind that we should, uh, that this is not what is meant by like, by social distancing to like not talk to anyone. Also, moving like of course you know um i I mean right now you're you're still allowed to go out and maybe go jogging or you know take a walk that's that's nice if if we really get to a point where even that is not allowed anymore maybe just walk up and down the stairs in the hallway of your of your building you know just you know go up and down a couple of times that's uh that's good exercise get your blood flowing and and also helps you stay sane in a way we've been actually trying to do that in our own um digital teamwork space that we have at work mm-hmm. to get everyone mm-hmm. to like 10 for 10 to 15 minutes we do like mm-hmm. try to do a teraband or some type of exercise because i personally am realizing because we've digitalized everything i'm sitting in front of the computer i feel like even more so or just generally because yeah. we're like inside and so i physically do yeah i'm that's something i definitely need to address more that's yeah, yeah. a little half minutes day for and then also, I mean, when you feel like things are getting too much and all of these things don't help, I mean, do, do seek help. Uh, reach out to uh, to professional services uh, as yeah, as much as they are available. And of course, uh, getting hold of a therapist right now is, is tricky, but that's also why we started the hotline to enable people to speak to someone that, you know, uh, relatively easily. 
There was a very important question whether yes. or not everything's accessible in English as well, or whether it's just focused on the German market. Like how internationalized are you guys at this point? Yeah, so far we're focused on the German market and, and our trainings are available in German. And uh, actually the, the, the Facebook community that we set up is also uh, in German. The hotline, I mean, our psychologists, they speak English, so it's not like, it's not specifically an English language offering, but uh, uh, yeah, I would encourage people to call nevertheless. And um, yeah, they, they'll, uh, they'll try to help you as best as, uh, as best they can. I mean, it's also important to understand the different types of, and people always, you know, feel about, well, yeah, talking to a therapist, if it's not, you know, their native language or my native language, but well, I mean, the focus of what we do is on cognitive behavioral therapy, really these kind of sort of very, as I said, commonsensical strategies in a way, but the ones that, that we do all need reminding of. I mean, if you, if you, you know, if you think that just because it's common sense, it's easy, think again, because I mean, that's what the whole like losing weight is about, you know, like if, if you people said like, oh yeah, if you, if you want to lose weight, eat less, exercise more, it's easy. Well, Clearly, you know, we know that, but that doesn't make it easy. So what we're trying to help you is stick to the things that are supposedly easy, but in real life are actually really hard when it comes to changing your routine. So, um, and what I'm saying is, uh, getting back to my previous train of thought, that kind of stuff is more easy to do at the, what we do, cognitive behavioral therapy in a different language and talk about with someone that, you know, uh, even if you're not a native speaker, then sort of the analytical psychotherapy where you talk about your mom and your childhood trauma and, and that kind of stuff where it's, it's a lot more nuanced or relationship problems, for example, are also really tricky. Uh, couples therapy in a different language is really difficult, but uh, cognitive behavioral therapy actually lends itself pretty well to this. Oh, okay. Um, there was also another question that we had more from a, I believe, um, enterprise uh, question. And it says, if I can answer live, let me see if that works. I'm going to read it out first. Um, it says, how will and can a platform like yours thrive in this upcoming challenging time? Obviously, people may want to reduce their spending and turn to such a platform. I think you yeah. kind of answered it already. Well, no, I mean, for, uh, of course, it's, it is a challenging time because our plan for the year was to, you know, take advantage of the so-called digital care law, this uh, digital care act that has been introduced that enables German digital health companies or digital health companies actually in, in general, also from abroad, to enter the German market and, and sell to all people that have private uh, public health insurance, I, I mean, i.e., they just need to get the users and public health insurance has to pay for it. Okay. We still want to do that, but uh, that whole process is kind of grinded to a halt. I mean, we're very curious to see what happens. Actually, in 10 days, they're supposed to publish um, this directive that gives you all sorts of details on how the implementation is going to work and how you get market access. And we believe that's not going to happen because the Ministry like of Health is super busy with everything else. True. I was just going to say, uh, maybe someone thought about speeding that process up just so more people At could the have time, the yeah. access um, to programs like yours because yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's almost needed. So do you feel, I mean, you're right. They probably have a lot of other challenges at, this, at the time that they have to take care of. But, I mean, that could be a really good argument. Yeah, no, it's, uh, um, that, that is, of course, um, it, it may happen that way that they actually speed up the process. Um, 
but uh, it's um, it's it's unclear uh, whether whether they because yeah I mean the the number one priority is of course saving lives right now a lot of resources will go towards uh, um, you know like hospital beds and, and increasing ICU capacity and, and, and things like that and that's super important but uh, yeah I mean the, the digital health uh, um, space has been waiting for this to happen for for a long time we as I said we still hope it does but if it doesn't then all of that's going to get delayed and uh, mm -hmm. the the without that market access we also uh, have a trouble with with our. We are also in trouble with with our plans, and that's also why we said, okay, let's shift resources now. Clearly, with the other priorities, what is it that we can do to to help here? And I mean, right now we're just going out on a limb there. I mean, it's not really um, a business opportunity because uh, we're not getting paid for this. So, um, and but we'll have to find support somehow. So we're talking to different health insurance companies whether they uh, can provide us funding for this because um, of course we, we can't keep up uh, our services um, without, any, without any funding. But I mean, yeah, there are many, many, many companies that are in this problem, right, that have this problem right now. I was wondering, um, because you guys are obviously, your office and your employees are, have to deal with the situation are probably doing home office and things too. And because you have, uh, this uh, new demand um, coming in. How, how, how did you guys internally, were you able to set that up and how difficult is it to go on to d try to create a new uh, what do you, you know, solution when everyone's dispersed? Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, we, we just basically sent everyone home on Thursday and said, okay, home office, we need to virtualize the company. And we did that overnight and it works surprisingly well. People are extremely engaged, you know, early to rise, late to bed, um, putting in lots of hours and making this, uh, to make this happen. Um, so right now there's sort of the sense of excitement and, and, and a lot of engagement, but I also hope that people don't burn out. Uh, yeah. um, if we have to do this for, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, I don't know. Um, and we go at this kind of pace, then, uh, yeah, I think people will struggle. So um, it's a lot of work, you know, even just, you know, setting up a Facebook page and, and so on. It sounds really trivial, but if you want to do it well and that a certain, you know, want to guarantee a certain uh, level of, uh, um, uh, of service, then, you know, you got to think, you know, how are you going to staff this? Who's going to monitor this? Who's going to, you know, what kind of input can we provide? So we've been writing tons of blog articles. We've been producing uh, videos. That's actually one thing where we still had a couple of people meet in the office, like four or five of them met in the, in the office uh, last two days to produce uh, video content that's now being cut and that we'll release starting next week, uh, presenting these kind of strategies. And then, as I said, that will be the, the Facebook Q&A as well. So that lots of different, but you need a concept for all of these things. And, uh, but yeah, it's been, um, it's, it's worked well so far, but yeah, I think it's, uh, eventually it's going to be a challenge. I think in general, it's all, I mean, home switch to home office, I think works. I'm surprised from all I hear. We also talk to other companies. Uh, I think everyone's uh, doing what they can, but eventually it's going to get really old. <laughs> and then, yeah, I think we will see some mental health issues arise from that as well. Yeah. Well, what I would love to do, Hannes, at this point, I'm just going to ask everyone um, from our attendees to go ahead and write a Q&A if they want to in the chat line or in the Q&A box. 
because I would love for us to actually talk again, maybe in three weeks time, uh, where we can kind of rehash, you know, how have you guys been able to perform? What have your learnings been um, in general? How is everyone else feeling? What kind of needs do we all feel that we need? You know, uh, there's obviously a lot of aspects to these unknowns um, where our whole society- oh, I'm sure, I'm sure we, yeah, no, I'm sure we'll have, wait a second, let me switch the wireless off because then, yeah, I think you have uh, the, the connections better. Um, no, I think we will also be able to collect some, some interesting anecdotes uh, from the headline from the, from the Facebook community um, to, um, and, and yeah, we'll be able to say a lot more about how it really does affect people. I mean, right now, this is all kind of speculation. We're also only three or four days in, so no one, no one knows what will be, where we will be in three weeks, but I can only imagine that mental health is gonna be um, high on the agenda uh, once we somehow got a, uh, got a grip on, on, on the virus. I mean, of course, that's gonna dominate the news. You know, people dying is always gonna be uh, um, the headline grabber, but uh, there is this sort of hidden epidemic of mental health that's going on uh, that's less visible. And maybe, you know, um, I, I hate to always make everything an opportunity, but I like to see the positive sides. Maybe this will also uh, enable society to acknowledge that mental health is something that can affect everyone. Um, and therefore, it can be something that people also more openly talk about when they all are confined in their own four walls. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, it, 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 the stigma issue uh, is, a, is a big one uh, in mental health. And um, I mean, it's, it's getting better um, and it has been getting better uh, in, in recent years. But um, yeah, now I think a lot more people that aren't necessarily under normal circumstances really confronted with this will probably begin to understand what life is like for some people all the time. Right, right. Um, and, and to leave this uh, wonderful live podcast on a happy note, or a happy note, could you could you share like three things in your routines that you want to stick to that's going to make your everyday life better as we go through this? Yeah, um, I have a pull-up bar and, and I use that. Uh, and I have a, a little sheet where I then sort of chick, 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 do all the pull-ups that I, uh, uh, that I did, and that's that's actually helpful in, in, to stay motivated. It's a simple, silly thing, but I learned that from our lead designer. Making things visible is really important, and you know, walking by that, and you're like, I'm going to add a couple of now, you know, like, and you wouldn't otherwise. You'd be like, ah, you just walk by it. But when you feel like, yeah, you can you can have an impact in a way. At least for me, that's really motivating. Oh, that's and, Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, like, whatever, whatever it is, in terms of whether you do pull-ups or push-ups or, uh, or or squats or whatnot, like, just get a sheet of paper and tick them off, and you'll be you you have a result. Uh, you know, you see that sheet fill, and uh, and that's a nice feeling. The other thing, similar, uh, I started to puzzle. So I did a 500-piece puzzle in the last three days, and now I'm on a 1,000-piece puzzle. Um, and that's really good also to switch off your head, you know, after all, either while you're on the phone, you know, some people doodle and I puzzle. While I'm, like, in conference calls, when you're just listening, then that's something that you could do very well. Or, um, yeah, in, in the evening, you know, after dinner to just, you know, I have a, a, I have a cocktail and, and then I, I do, my, do my puzzle. 
Um, and then, yeah, I cook. I cook a lot. That's the third one that I feel like doing something manual where besides typing, uh, that's also really healthy to uh, listen to the radio about news maybe, but then, you know, you just you know, peel the potatoes and, and, and mm -hmm. cut stuff up and chop things. And that's, uh, that's something that I, I always feel like really clears my head. Yeah, and not only receipts on uh, receipts on toilet paper, <laughs> dishes. Just a little joke on the end. Well, um, Hannes, thank you so much for being uh, a part of our World Changes in Tech live podcast. I do want to restate again for everyone here that it's hellobetter.de, and yes. your number is. We had someone very nicely in the chat write it down. So the hotline, in case you guys are feeling un sure not you know confident or anxiety the hotline is plus four nine if you're outside of germany but most of you will be inside so it's zero eight hundred zero 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 nine five five four so you guys give uh hello better better a shout um and we'll talk again and we'll make an appointment in the next few weeks and i think it'd be interesting to see what's happened in the last few weeks and i'd say stay sane Thank you very much. You, you guys too. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Cheers. That was a wrap here for us at the World Changers in Tech headquarters. Make sure you find us at our webpage, www.german.tech, and subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date and receive exclusive invites to all our event formats. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Big thank you from the World Changers in Tech team here at German Tech where we strive to inspire, build, and grow digital ecosystems for a sustainable future. Continue on on our SDGs, and we're all changes in tech, and tune in soon.